and welcome to Taking Care of Business. I'm Jackie Mitchell. This is where we pick the best brains in the business world and you, the listener, feel like you are eavesdropping on a really interesting coffee conversation to give you and your business the inside edge. We take a look into the minds and brands of successful leaders and probe into how they think, feel, learn, manage teams and themselves. This show is about connecting and creating conversations that matter building your powers of influence, persuasion, and ultimately communication. We explore the latest evidence-based findings in neuromarketing, consumer behavior, business techniques, tips, trends, and tricks. We love sharing the knowledge and serve brain food to keep your business healthy. To continue eavesdropping and to connect with me, you can find me on LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and my website, Brandstorm. So while our first guest settles in, orders their coffee, grab yourself one and we'll be right back after this. At Bendigo Bank, we're not your typical big bank. We don't have big egos or big attitudes. We don't splurge on big junkets or shoot big commercials. We don't make big empty promises or keep big secrets. No, we just think by doing the little things right, will make a big difference to our customers. So try Bendigo Bank, the better big bank. A station sponsor. Hi, Pete here from the Mornington Telstra Business Centre, and I'd like you to meet some of my team. This is Scott. Hey. Daniel. G'day. And Kathy. Hi, how are you? Now, whether you need tech support, new products, or simply some advice on the best gadgets for your business, our team of experts can offer you tips, tricks, and answers to your questions. So drop by for a chat today, or if you'd prefer, give us a call on 1300 My Business. That's 1300 692 874 to book an appointment, or we can come to you. Welcome back to Taking Care of Business. Our next guest is a great friend of the program. He is Australia's leading tech futurist. Welcome back, Steve Sammartino. Oh, wonderful to be here, Jackie. It's always good. Your energy, I can feel it across the airwaves. I can feel it in my skin. Yeah, that's it. Now you're um you've authored two best selling books. I just want to start with that. One was the first one was the Great Fragmentation, and the second one was the Lesson School Forgot. Uh, how has that gone? And when's the next one coming out? Oh, good question. So the book went really well. It got translated into a number of languages: Chinese, Italian, Korean. Wow. Uh, and it's gone really well. And I think the reason it went well is that school was designed for us to get jobs and school was designed for us to be compliant in the industrial era. Mm. And we've graduated from that, to use a pun there about the book, we've graduated Mm. from the industrial era and now in the digital era, which means we've got a new set of rules on how business is done and to thrive, we've got to know what they are and how to use the rules and the tools. And if we know that, this is the greatest time ever to be alive. Yeah, certainly business has gone through unprecedented change and it's happening so fast. A lot of small business owners and entrepreneurs are struggling to keep up and this is where you come in because you give people a great insight into what they need to be paying attention to. Absolutely. That's the thing that you've just nailed there, Jackie, is when you're running a business, and I've done this, I've had a number of small businesses. I had my first business, an organic egg farm when I was 12. I had a clothing company. I've had dot-com startups, so I've been in there. And when you're running a business, here's the thing. You're all day, every day, looking at your customers, 
building your product and your services, serving your customers. And what you don't have is the time to look outside of what you're doing. You're so busy keeping the ships afloat and working on the business that you've got. You're in the business. You don't have time to look out of it. That's where I come in. Because what I do all day, every day, is look at new technology and new tools to show people tricks and tips on how they can be more efficient, serve their customers better. And I'm the shortcut. So you can manage your business and then you come and you hang out with me and I'm going to show you the tricks. You go, I never thought of that because you're so busy running your business. I'm going to come in and say, here's how you can connect with customers easier. Here's this efficiency tool hack here. Here's a great way to get connected with more customers. Here's a way to get your prices up. Here's a way to get people talking about you in the media. And I show people those hacks because I'm out there looking at the opportunities while everyone else is running their business. So we really need each other. Yeah, now I know in 2018 you spoke to over 100,000 people and hopefully you influenced a majority of those those brains. And uh, I know that you and I are involved in a conference, the Byte Conference, which is business, innovation, tech and entrepreneurialism. And you're speaking at that coming up very soon. But what's really exciting about that as well, speaking of shortcuts to information, is that you are actually hosting a lunch, a workshop lunch there as well, aren't you? Yeah, this is the executive roundtable. That's what we call it here. It's a lunch where you come in, and what's beautiful about this is we get the whiteboard out there. We get everyone to come in with their most pressing business challenge, right? Their most pressing business challenge. It might be something about staffing. It might be about finance. It might be about promoting. It might be about using tools of technology. You come with that, and the fresh eyes of the experience that I've had around the world with all the different businesses that I've run, and I've worked with Fortune 500s and startups, with your questions on, gee, I've got this challenge. The good thing is I've seen those challenges before. And what I can do is say, here's the tool you should look at. Here's how you can approach that problem. And then the other people in the room, they go, I've had that problem too, and here's how I did that. And then the guy who had that problem has got some solution. They've already found that another guy with a different problem doesn't have. And what we do is we explore these ideas in a crisscross fashion. And the end of there, we all walk out with simple solutions and things that we can do. So by having that roundtable session where instead of just listening to what someone did, this is where we dig in and go, how do I fix this thing? How do I solve that problem? How do I grow here? How do I save costs there? And we crisscross and have this executive roundtable. They are the most powerful things that I do in my career. The most powerful things I do are these sessions with different people in different businesses. Everyone walks out saying, that's the most valuable thing I've done in a number of months. So I just can't wait. Yeah, it's the power of face-to-face too, isn't it? I mean, you can get up on stage and you obviously see someone from a distance, a lot a lot of stuff online, uh, clearly, but that face-to-face is the most powerful <sighs> thing. The number one technology humans ever invented is language. <laughs> it is the ability to communicate with mm. each other skin-to-skin where you can see the sweat on someone's brow and you can feel the emotion. It's, you know, it's one thing to broadcast information, but when we get across the table from each other in an intimate session, we get the espresso flowing and we're talking to each other, and all of a sudden we're like, wow, we're helping each other and that intimate, that intimacy of the session means that we can, we can bring things up that are, you know, that are sensitive, things that we, we worry about that keep us awake at night and everyone in the room is there for the same reason and all of a sudden... We've got this sort of authenticity about really asking ourselves hard questions about the truth and how we might be able to solve them. And that's something you just can't do online. That's something you just can't do when you're standing on a stage. It's, it's that small room with a, a number of people talking 
just gets a different result. And you know why? That's the way humans are at their best. Yeah, it's a real paradox, isn't it? Because particularly you're in the tech space, and so with the you know advent of digital technology, everyone, particularly businesses, go, "Well, I need to be online, I need to be on social media," and they sort of hide behind their computer. I'll send an email, send, pick up the phone, or face to face. And this is this really curious paradox that we're in now in business. I think. So, Jackie, this is the time for my favourite business story. So, first, I just want to start by saying that. Um, Technology and efficiency and algorithms, that they're all designed just to, to do the efficient stuff, right? But the human stuff is what matters. Now, let's imagine this for a second. Imagine that email had been around for 50 years before the phone. Imagine email was invented before the phone. Just imagine that, mm-hmm. right? And then someone said to me, hey, Steve, can you just send me an email about that thing we've chatted about? Or can you send this person an email? And imagine if I said to them, oh, have you heard of this new thing? It's called the phone. And they'd say, what do you mean, phone? Oh, what it is is it's like a real person that's in the room with you, but it's on this little device and you put it to your ear and you can speak to them in real time real time, and you can feel their emotion and you can get an answer instead of going back and forth seven times like you do with an email. It's amazing. It's called the phone. It's so much better than email. And you know what? We act like email's better. The yeah. phone is way better. And that's because it's leveraging the initial technology of humans, right? Yeah. And so... What we've got to do is use technology to just confirm things and get the efficiency, but technology should be used so we can have more time with humans. Yeah. Right? That's the art of tech. How can I use the technology so I've got more time, time more face time yeah. with people? I love it. You, know, I you love go into it. the Apple Store, right, and you see what is it filled with people. That's the world's biggest tech company. Apple Store filled with people. Mm, I love it. And I also love a segue. And we know we're talking about the Byte conference. And uh, one of your sayings or, that I like, uh, your quotes, is when the belly is full, the brain is empty, stay hungry. And then that yes. led, leads me to another segue that you're doing a pilot TV show at the moment called Future Sandwich. So we're feasting our minds, Steve. Tell us about Future Sandwich. Yeah, so Future Sandwich is a new TV show that I've done a pilot for with Tommy McCubbin and it's going to be going on free-to-air TV in Australia. We're in in the middle of discussions with a couple of broadcasters. I'm very, very excited. We're very close to getting that finalised. And what it's about is all the new technology shaping our world. And each episode starts with uh, a sandwich and the sandwich is delivered via a technology. In our pilot, we had the sandwich delivered via a drone from a cafe to the studio, world first. And uh, basically, we're going to have every episode is about a different topic. It might be artificial intelligence. It might be the future of healthcare, the future of food. It's a little bit like a top gear for tech. And what we're going to do is arm Australians with all the knowledge they need to understand the tech and think, gee, here's how I can use this in my life. And here's the, the, good, the good things I need to know about. Here's some potential risks and downsides. And really, just in an entertaining way, you know, teach Australians about how our world's changing. And I've got to be honest, I reckon we've had enough of these shows, people arguing and getting married online and all this crazy stuff. I reckon we deserve more. I reckon the Australian populace is ready for something that's entertaining and educational. And if no one's going to deliver it, then I'm going to step up to the plate and be the person who does it. Love it. Very excited. So any idea of when that's going to be uh, released? Yeah, it'll be um, early next year. So it'll be the new TV shows coming to air next year. 
Excellent. So, Everything's happening in 2020. Everything. 2020. It's that year. It's like that thing in the future when 2020 comes. We're nearly there. I know. And I'm waiting for someone to, you know, redo their, their vision and call it a 2020 vision. I'm sure it's happened. Uh, where, where we all see things a lot clearer. And uh, I know, Steve, when you speak, those in the audience start to look at their business through much clearer, clearer lens. So I look forward to Bite Conference. Seeing you there, Steve. And as always, stay hungry. Thank you. Stay hungry. Stay hungry. Thanks for your valuable time. We love picking the best brains in the business world here on Taking Care of Business. We'll be right back after this. Welcome back to Taking Care of Business. Our next guest is a leadership development expert. She is a behavioural profiler and director of Time to Talk Leadership. Welcome to the program, Sharon Neal. Uh, thanks, Jackie. Lovely to be speaking to you. Very excited to um, be talking to you about DISC and profiling today. Yes, I always love conversations with you, uh, particularly from my perspective. I have a keen interest in behavioural marketing and neuromarketing and behavioural science and consumer behaviour. And this, uh, it certainly involves part of that. So let's get stuck straight into DISC profiling. Now, D-I-S-C, and what do each of those letters stand for? Well, that, that comes up with four profiles, I guess, four different preferences for how we behave and communicate with others. So it's, the D is for a more dominant, direct character that really knows what they want, tells it how it is, really a straight shooter. I is for an influencer who's more about people and relationships. The S is more for the steady profile who likes things to run smoothly, likes all their ducks in a row. And the conscientious is the analytical, the um, likes to get things right, bit of a perfectionist. Preference, and they're all valuable, um, but they do have differences, which can throw up some interesting scenarios. So why does it work so well? What's its secret power? Well, look, we, we use a number of tools at Time to Talk, and this is, is really probably our preferred tool. It's simple, and in today's workplace, everyone's got so much in their heads. You know that, Jackie, from yeah. all your neuroscience experience. We've got so many messages. We need something that's very simple that we can easily relate to, um, and we can practically use it back at work. And that's where we see great results with this tool because it is simple and it gets traction at every single level. So we, we love it. Um, our clients love it. Not just for at work, though, but it's great for at home, for your teenagers, for your mother-in-law, pesky neighbour if you're having problems with them. So it works across all facets of your life. Yes. Yeah, so how does it differ from other, uh, I suppose, popular profiling tools like the Myers-Briggs, for instance? Yeah, look, MySpriggs is a great tool and we use that quite a bit as well in some of our leadership workshops. Um, and it takes a little bit longer to get into a bit more depth with MySpriggs and you are trying to remember a lot of different combinations. So we just find the simplicity of DISC and just the, the self-awareness piece, so being a bit more aware of yourself but also being aware of others' preferences and what the gaps may bring about in terms of frustration and also value. Right, yes. Yeah. So with the DISC profiling, where have you seen it well used? Uh, look, anything from, from service people understanding their customers and not taking direct messages too harshly, right through to leaders um, at the executive level, understanding their executive teams and what their preferences are and how they're best motivated and where their development gaps might be. Um, and using it a lot across organisations, cross-functionally, to understand different functions and groups within the organisation and bringing them closer together and also project teams 
you know, playing to people's strengths in a project team and making sure that we are allocating tasks or jobs or communications to that person's preference. Can you give me an example of how it works, either professionally or personally? Oh, yeah, look, I could give you... I could talk <laughs> a lot about both, Jackie. I've got lots of stories. Um, there's light bulbs with this all the time and we see it in our programs. But, look, we had a lady... I was recently doing some leadership coaching and um, the lady I was coaching was a very strong dominant, very, you know, just tells it how it is. And she said to one of the um, team members that she was not doing a good job and, and just told her directly she needed to fix it. But the other lady got quite emotional and ran out sort of very upset because she, whilst it wasn't personal from the dominant character, the other person took it personally. Mm. So there's a big gap between intent and impact. Sometimes we don't intend our messages to come across a certain way, but if someone hears something different, the impact can be quite different for them. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a great example. Now, there's so much to talk about with DISC and it's, as you said, I love it that it can be used professionally but also at home, yeah. <laughs> as, as you said, your pesky teenagers. But, it's look, it certainly helps just identifying, I suppose, your own preferences and the focus being on preferences. It doesn't mean you, you are solely a D, a dominant. It means that you can have no. other areas, can't you? Absolutely. It's quite a, it's degrees of preference and we have quite a spread. And we also have the capacity to dial up and dial down when we need to, which is the beauty of understanding ourselves a little bit more and understanding others. I might need to adapt my messages a little bit. I have three of those teenagers, and they're actually not pesky, Jackie, but they are three (laughs) different preferences, and it's helped me enormously. Um, I'm polar opposites to one of my teenagers, and she's very analytical and conscientious, and I'm not. So it's really helped us bridge the gap and me to understand her better and us to have a better relationship, which is important for all of us. So it's really about how do we improve our relationship. Now, I've heard you speak many times and I love it every time. I learn something new from you because you don't, like a lot of other speakers, just go from script and it's the same thing over and over again. There's always new insights, always new areas of fascination. Sharon Neal, and you are speaking at the BITE conference, uh, which is coming up shortly. Now, tell us what are you going to be talking about there without giving too much away? Well, look, it is going to be, as you said, right at the beginning, it's about behavioural profiling. And it's almost, I know you talk about being a professional eavesdropper, Jackie, it's almost (laughs) like extending that, not just what we hear, but what we observe of others. And how can we actually use that information to build better connections, better relationships, get our messages across to others? So it's quite a powerful tool. So it's almost like uh, thinking of criminal minds or SVU and becoming your best behavioural profiler there, but being aware of what's going on around you. So we're going to actually um, give people some insight into the profiles and how they can use them and how they can start recognising that and some really practical tools to walk away with. And that's what I love about this tool. Um, In a short time or even a longer session, you get a real opportunity to give people something that they can use that will make them better in, in themselves but in their relationships with others. Yeah, and particularly for entrepreneurs and small business owners who may not have had exposure to this tool, uh, certainly it's very popular amongst larger corporates who do have the resources and, and know of its effectiveness. But quite often, small business owners and entrepreneurs don't have access to this sort of tool. So coming along and listening to you and getting some inside tips as to the power, the secret power of DISC will certainly put them in good stead, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And from a small business perspective, getting your message out there, it's such a crowded marketplace, but how do we connect better with people? And even 
even something as simple as an email, how can we craft that in a way that will be better received by our clients or customers? I love the way you craft those words, Sharon Neal. I look forward (laughs) to seeing you at Bite. And uh, thank you again, as always, for your valuable time and your fascinating insights. No problem. Looking forward to it. And thank you for your enthusiasm about DISC and, and your time today, Jackie. Always a pleasure. You're listening to the best brains in the business here at Taking Care of Business. We'll be right back after this short break. Welcome back to Taking Care of Business. Now, this is a topic that is really hot at the moment, and it's all about resilience, stress, pressure management, and next guest knows all about high-pressure situations. Uh, He works with entrepreneurs and SMEs, and we all know those that do run their own business. There may be short bursts of stress or long-standing situations that require patience and resilience to get through and rise up. He has also worked with big corporates like Coles Meyer, Toyota, St George and the Victorian Parliament. I think politicians at the moment certainly need his help. I'd like to welcome to the show Michael Larkinblatt. Thank you very much. Great to be here. Really great to have you here, Michael. Now, when you're doing corporate work, is there much difference between the corporate work and the work you do with entrepreneurs or SMEs? Look, it's different type of pressure, but the response to pressure is consistent. What we're seeing now is that the people want more in less time. They have fewer resources, so they're being squeezed uh, a lot more for their resources, for their ability to apply themselves under pressure. From a corporate point of view, we're looking at a lot more stakeholders influencing decisions. From an entrepreneurial point of view, Business owners are touching more things. They are being more things in their business. So they're spread a lot more thin and they're feeling the impact of pressure in that way. Okay. So I thought it might be a good place to start uh, talking about some definitions because it got me thinking, and some of our listeners might be thinking the same thing, what's the difference between stress and pressure and resilience? So those three, how do they all sort of fit in together? Certainly. Stress is the byproduct when pressure is not managed well. It's sort of like the blood that comes out when I cut myself is the stress. Uh, The the, the cut itself is the result of bad pressure management, if you can use that comparison. Resilience is the way in which I handle pressure, not so much that I just cope and get through better, but rather how I am a better version of myself. The traditional approach to, to pressure is being... How much can I take? How much can I tolerate? And it's seen as an ability to sort of just toughen up and get through. And don't, you know, don't mistake me that there's great value in doing that. However, in modern day resilience, it's not just how well you can cope and how many things you can take on, but how well you can actually be, or how well, how well you can actually apply yourself and be the best version of yourself to actually thrive and be as dollar productive as you can in high pressure, but without burning yourself out without actually having a fallout or a cost in some part of of your world personally or professionally. Yeah, oh, that's a great explanation because I was thinking about that. I was thinking pressure, stress, but you're also dealing with things like setbacks and rejections and that's something entrepreneurs really have to learn how to manage. Is that your experience? Oh, absolutely. Look, the the amount of setbacks and pressure 
pressures or, or, or rejection that we deal with nowadays is exponential compared to what it was even sort of 10 or so years ago. Markets are more competitive, um, budgets are tighter, and we are doing more with less time, which simply means I'm going to face more roadblocks. So there are more people competing for the same. So there are, I've got to work harder and deal with more rejections and setbacks. You'll find this across every industry from professional services to real estate, through sales, a whole range of industries, which simply means this, that business owners or people in, in, in corporate world need to understand how they can take a setback, not be bogged down by it, not be stopped, not be slowed down, but to bounce back faster so that they don't lose a beat when things don't go well or they've put a lot of work into a, a client or a sale and it falls over at the end and that may then affect their cash flow and their budget. How do they stay focused? Because one of the core things in business is that your energy now is your currency. So you've got to be able to invest that wisely. So your ability to be resilient and bounce back has direct impact on your bottom line. Yeah, and it's not a matter of if, it's when, as far as rejection setbacks, uh, when you are running your own business. And uh, I, I get a bit upset about this um, distorted focus on follow your passion, you know, rainbow, rainbows and unicorns, and, and there's not enough talk about, okay, so what do you do when you have a bad day? What, what happens when you spend hours and days on a proposal or you're pitching for business and, and you, you, know, you, you lose it or, or you don't even hear back from them? People don't even give you the courtesy of letting you know. All these sort of setbacks and then it can really be very demoralising and can affect your confidence. It can affect so many areas and of course that then bleeds into your personal life doesn't it absolutely and when you say when when a person's in a business or an area where because they're passionate about it they're putting heart and soul into what they do mm. and in many ways you're, you're working harder than a lot of other people because you're so committed both personally and you have skin in the game financially as well so when you've put that work into a proposal or into building up a, a bunch of relationships with possible prospects and clients, and then they all fall over or series them fall over, and you see the fallout that comes from that both financially and personally, you start thinking, what's wrong with me? The questions we're asking are the wrong questions. You're saying, well, what's, what's wrong with me? What am I doing wrong? You know, why is this happening to me? But the reality is this is just part and parcel with business. And when you're passionately involved, the rejection feels more personal. Now, that's not to say don't be passionately involved. You want to put your heart into what you do. But we want to understand also that that is going to mean that the rejection is going to hurt harder or hurt more because you are taking things to heart. And one of the great importance of resilience is to be lighter and to bounce back so that, you know, expect the rejection but be able to recover from it faster. Yeah, and I know that you've got lots of answers of how we can do that and you'll be sharing these fascinating and useful and practical insights at the upcoming BITE conference, Business Innovation Technology and Entrepreneurialism, uh, which I'll be joining you there, Michael. I'm looking forward to, to it very much. And so what will you be actually talking about at BITE for those that will come and have a look and listen to what you've got to say? So we're looking at a couple of things. The first, you need to understand the changing landscape of business. You see, if we're busy just working harder 
and we're not really adapting to the changing landscape of pressure. All we're doing is chasing our tails, which means that people in business are doing, 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 but not getting any progress. So we're going to talk about how to understand what's happening around them. We're also going to provide with a couple of skills and insights around what it means to be resilient and how you specifically build those strengths and how that translates to business bottom line. It's not just these touchy-feely skills, these soft skills which feel nice, but they translate to business outcome. And I want to link the behaviour change to a take-home ability to be able to perform better and be more personally productive and profitable within your business. And we'll also look at the aspect of adaptability and resilience, that it's a combination of skills. It's not just simply working harder and being stronger and having a tougher shield, but there are ways that allow you to perform at your best. So this is really the, the psychology of implementation and what it takes to be able to bounce back and how you share that with your team. So there'll be a whole bunch of things we'll talk about. I love a segue, Michael, and thank you for leading me to one because your background is actually in psychology but I also noticed, and I've never come across anyone with a, a more unique background, that you've combined <laughs> that with shiatsu therapy and martial arts. Martial arts and psychology, oh, where do we start? <laughs> well, it's, it's an interest. It is probably, as you said, one of the most unique backgrounds when it comes to resilience and in a business context. I guess that what it allows me to do is that the martial arts gives me an understanding of how to read patterns in people and how to perform mm. in high-pressure environments because nothing says focus when someone's trying to hit you and hurt you. So there's a, there's a great um, learning that comes from staying calm under pressure. And for me, the psychology is about understanding behaviour, that what you see is not always what you get. So often if you can understand what motivates us uh, and how we get things done or what we do to avoid activation and avoid implementation, this is key to resilience. And the shiatsu really, it, it looks at the way people process pressure. And if you can understand the way you process pressure mentally and even physically, how you hold it, and if you can flip that and you know what switches to flip, you just you go from coasting or just getting through your day and dealing with stress to being high performance and bouncing back. It is a, there's a very distinct transition between those two. And I find that these behavioural changes is what allows people to build that resilience deliberately rather than just endure, endure and then burn out in the process. Yeah, I always find that the most beneficial and uh, useful consultants and speakers are those that have had uh, an interesting eclectic background, you know, to you, you've got lots of zigs and zags there because it's about cross-fertilising that information. I find most people can uh, that have sort of stayed in their one lane the whole time can get very one-dimensional in their thinking, uh, particularly if they are a thought leader, which you you know, and you're speaking and educating, which you do. Uh, I think that's great that you can actually use that for cross-fertilising. But I was thinking about psychology and martial arts and re resilience, and it's almost the perfect recipe because it's about self-defence. It's about coping and motivation. And you mentioned the word word earlier, which is about bounce back. And, uh, and I think if I put all that in a pot, Michael, and, and I had to get the jus of you, I think it is about bounce back. I think that's really a real key to it. And, and that would be absolutely cool, not just to myself, but also the to the message and how you apply that message. As you draw the analogy to the martial arts, it's actually been said that 
senior martial arts only occurs when you get your black belt. That's sort of where the true learning starts. Everything up to that is your preparation, which simply means that in life, you've got to go through stuff first sometimes before your ears are ready to listen. And I find that working with people in business who have some skin in the game, uh, they're not just green to the old thing, they've turned up with this wonderful passion and ideal they've gone for, but people who have put in the hard yards. But they understand that business can be tough. They're more ready to listen. And I find taking practical approaches, not just wonderful theoretical stuff, but stuff which I've lived myself. I've been driving business now for 30 years, um, lived through ups and downs. Uh, and I'm, I'm a dad of three kids, so I get the fact how it can be hard to balance work and life at times. And the whole concept of work-life balance is this lovely term that doesn't really exist. And the whole concept of resilience is not about perfection or being bulletproof, but rather your intrinsic and deliberate ability to have a special relationship with pressure that allows you to be the best version of yourself. What a lovely way to finish off. Michael Lightenblatt, thank you so much for your precious time. Our ears and eyes will be ready to listen to your pearls of wisdom at the Bike Conference. I really appreciate your time today and look forward to seeing you there. Absolute pleasure, and thank you very much for the interview. Loved it, love it. We love stress, managing stress, managing pressure, managing resilience. We are going to bounce back here on Taking Care of Business right after this short break. Welcome back to Taking Care of Business. We have great friend of the program returning to talk all about LinkedIn. She is the leading in Australia, independent LinkedIn expert, Sue Wilson. Welcome back to the program. Thanks, Jackie. Lovely to be here. Always good to have you. I always feel more confident and reassured having you on the show because social media, as we know, is changing daily and particularly uh, LinkedIn for business. Just as you sort of feel like you get to know it, then all of a sudden they're introducing new things. And it is changing mm-hmm. rapidly. Is, is it changing faster or is it just my imagination? I think what's happening is they're changing a lot of things when you log in. So what you used to think was in one spot has sort of changed. And even little things like instead of just doing a like, you've got different expressions, a light bulb or a curious face, you know, little things that they sort of pinch and borrow from other platforms and integrate into LinkedIn. And, yeah, it just creates a bit of disorientation each time you you pop back. Yeah, so, yeah, well, okay, that's making me feel like it's less of my imagination. But... It's certainly hard keeping up uh, with LinkedIn. Now, we should tell our listeners here that you joined LinkedIn back in 2002, uh, which no one uh, really, the mainstream certainly hadn't heard of it, and you were a real Mm. innovator even before an early adopter, and you were the first 80,000 worldwide to join LinkedIn. Gee, you would have seen Mm. a lot of change since then. I have. Um, it was actually 2003. They, oh, they launched sorry, in May 2003, 2003 right. and I joined in December that year. Mm-hmm. But yes, what I guess a couple of the things that are really significant is that like a lot of the platforms, they integrate other applications into the platform. Mm-hmm. So the news feed never used to be there. Um, the, the ability to put presentations or videos never used to be there. Yeah, there's a lot of extra bells and whistles that have been added. And when Microsoft acquired LinkedIn in 2016, it really changed the goalposts. And I can see a lot more integrations in the future with Microsoft products. So, yes, you know, being on top of things is, is very important for business. 
It certainly is. Now, let's talk about your books because mm-hmm. you've become uh, a bit of a uh, popular author. I mean, do, do you enjoy writing? Is is that a, is it is it a task that's easy that comes easy to you? Look, I love writing. Finding the time to write uh, is probably the biggest challenge because obviously I still do a lot of work in different areas and training and consulting and advising and so on. And this latest book, Gigsters, is a real integration of many of the other things that I wrote in my first three books. And it's also included something different, which is poetry. And my fifth book will actually be called Poems for Lovers to Read to Each Other, which is a completely different genre altogether. <laughs> yes, I, I noticed your, uh, your, your tendency to write, to be very good at writing poems. And I'm thinking, well, maybe you do like writing, but it's a different style of writing. But I do like the fact that you've managed to combine or blend your poetry into business. Uh, mm. And this new book, Gigsters, it's from the gig economy, just uh, for those listening to make some sense of it. And the gig economy is sort of, I suppose, freelancing and contracting, which seems to be uh, the the growth of business at the moment. Is that right? Well, yes and no. I mean, I haven't had a real job since 1994, so if we do the math, that's 25 years. Mm. (laughs) um, I've also looked at gigs as being three things, either employees, experts or entrepreneurs. So obviously a business owner is more likely to be an entrepreneur, but if they're sort of a a solo business, they could just be more of an expert. And the way I define a gigster is someone who uses technology to attract aligned gigs. So even a business owner, I mean, they're going to work on different projects, they're going to have different clients. And so using technology is an important component of that. But also I'm looking at it from the career aspect. So for a lot of people, they were brought up thinking unless they're a doctor or a lawyer or, you know, somebody very powerful or very rich, they they hadn't made it in life. And I guess I'm here to say there are many other ways to make it in life. And for me, a values-driven life is extremely important. And what I also reflect on is people's strengths, both natural and acquired, as well as their context. So obviously for a business on the Morning Peninsula, it's going to be very different to a business that's in the CBD of Melbourne, for instance. And so the way that we do things varies according to the actual locational context, but also our personal circumstances. And I ran a workshop recently for some electorate officers. They're the people who work for members of parliament. And it was an amazing artist who just, you know, needed to earn cash. So she was working part-time for a a local MP. And so, you know, in in her own way, she's a gigster too. So I guess, you know, gigsters can be at any age, any stage, and and the opportunity to attract something that sort of fits with their skill set um, is the key goal. Yeah, well, another term that's get thrown around is side hustle. So I suppose it aligns nicely with that. It does. And, and I see side hustle as being sort of a separate thing compared to what your day job is, uh, so to speak. But for me, a gigster is a little bit more multidimensional than that. So they won't be just a side hustle. They they could be doing voluntary work. They could be having multiple side hustles. They could have a little bit of passive income coming in through something. They could have a regular gig. Um, so it's, it's really all aspects. But another really important component that I touch on in the book is managing money because the reality is 
the, the world of work is changing, the world of business is changing, and there's going to be ups and downs in the, the cycle of inflow of cash. And so making sure that people can adjust to that is also really important. And I'm very grateful for Scott Pate's book on uh, the Barefoot Investor. He's made budgeting sexy. Mm. I'm hoping that Gigsters makes careers and, and the, the world of work sexy as well. Yeah. So I know in your book you talk about superpowers. What are the superpowers? Just tell us a little bit about that. Well, I think what I'm trying to identify there is ways that people can sort of say, this is going to make a significant difference to my effectiveness uh, with being a gigster. And if they adopt those particular strategies, they'll do a lot better than somebody who thinks, oh, yeah, I'll just be an Uber driver on the weekends. You know, Mm. I I think there's a lot of really important things. So things like um, building your networks, because if you're going to be doing multiple jobs, you're not going to have a regular place to to catch up with people and chat over coffee and so on. So you you have to really be able to build your network. But it's it's other things like, you know, relying a little bit more on your intuition and and developing your emotional intelligence skills and, and cultural intelligence. So there's, there's a lot of other little bits and obvious things like persistence uh, because there'll be friends and families, oh, you shouldn't be doing this and why don't you just get a job and, and so on. So, so, yeah, there's some superpowers in there that, that really help uh, you go along the way. And interestingly, a friend of mine came to the book launch in May and she had the book out at her house and a, a 19-year-old picked it up and couldn't put it down. And I, I was so excited that a young person could see the benefit of, of the gigster lifestyle because their world of work is, is very different to what it was like when I started, you know, paid work. Mm. Yeah, and it's going to be different again for, for, for the next generation onwards, so it's moving so quickly. So keeping up mm. to date with all these new uh, skills, these new trends, and one of the superpowers of running your own business is understanding how LinkedIn works. Now, just mm. very quickly without giving too much away because we're going to be listening to you speak at the Byte Conference, which is coming up very very mm-hmm. soon, and you'll be chatting about LinkedIn. How, why is LinkedIn so powerful for business, particularly small business? Well, I, I think the biggest mistake that people make is they think it's just an online resume thing and only for when you have a job. But it's so much more than that. It's your personal identity on the internet. It is ranked in as one of the top places to publish content in the world for, for search engine optimization. So if you write articles on LinkedIn, they can come up in Google search results. I have a number that do that for me. It's the ability to build your network. But what I'm going to be chatting about at the Byte Conference is also how you can use LinkedIn from a hyper-local perspective um, using Google Advanced Search so that you can really tap into some of the resources that are in your local area and, and benefit from that. And I, I recently got contacted by a school in regional Victoria to run a LinkedIn workshop for their school. And I said, look, it would be really great. I did something up in Wollongong and they invited the local business community. Oh, we can do that and we can invite the other schools. And all of a sudden it became a, an entire community event. And I, and I think that this opportunity that LinkedIn brings people together is one of the most amazing, uh, you know, options for the platform. So if people are at the conference, I'll be demonstrating how everyone in the room can connect immediately. So everyone will, you know, automatically go home with a whole bunch of new connections. So, yeah, there's, there's lots and lots of different things that you can 
use LinkedIn for beyond, you know, that, that perception of just a resume. Yeah, well, we're looking for some exciting practical tips and I'm sure we don't need to remind people to bring their phones with them. I'm sure they'll all have them there so they'll be mm. able to, to see how it works in real time. Uh, I'm really excited, looking forward to hearing you speak, Sue Wilson, as always. And congratulations on your fourth book. Is that right? Have I got mm-hmm. that right? Fourth? Yes, it's the fourth one. The first one was on LinkedIn, the second on careers and business, and the third on hyperlocal marketing. And the fourth is Gigsters. And, and yeah, watch out for the, for the next one on poems. On poems? It's wonderful. It's, it's really great that, uh, that you continue to, to motivate everyone around you and uh, certainly uh, value your time today. And thank you for being part of the show. Lovely. I really appreciate being here and happy to answer questions at any time. Thanks, well, Jackie. we look forward to seeing you at Bite. I'm sure there'll be lots of questions there. Absolutely. That's the end of another stimulating show. We hope you've enjoyed eavesdropping on our conversation, picked up some tips, learned something new, or at the very least feel inspired. If you just joined us, you missed a lot, the podcast will be on the website, artofallpfm.com.au, and you can connect with me to continue the conversation, Jackie Mitchell, on social media or at brandstorm.com.au. Thank you today to our worldly and thought-provoking guests. We look forward to your company next Friday at 11am. In the meantime, keep taking care of your business.